Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today we have Tang on from OpenComp. We're going to be learning all about the business case, the use case for buying OpenComp. So, without any further ado, uh, Tang, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and OpenComp and give the correct pronunciation of your first name? All right. My name is Tang Nguyen, kind of like the uh, old astronaut drink. Nice. Uh, Tang oh, and, and Nguyen, even though it's, pron- it's spelled N-G-U-Y-E-N. Um, I am Vietnamese and ethnically Vietnamese and grew up here in the States in Springfield, Missouri. Fantastic. Uh, so, and, and OpenComp, tell us a little bit about OpenComp. Yeah, OpenComp is, uh, we, what we're trying to do is, uh, is really solve the, the problems around compensation. And virtually, whether you're a candidate or you're uh, an employer or a company, uh, you've had issues around developing or uh, fundamentally establishing pay or equity. Um, and uh, OpenComp uh, serves to solve those problems. You know, it serves to solve the problems around obscure information, kind of limited and stale data, um, and really uh, the, 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 the problems surrounding compensation have always been uh, very manual and analog meaning uh, data kind of employee or HR data sits in a lot of different systems. And and, uh, a comp professional like myself would have to kind of gather that and and bring it all together and and create uh, analysis and models and, you know, and and interpret the data after we do all of that. So OpenComp ultimately encompasses all of that and really takes that whole compensation journey and uh, makes it really simple and easy to use. Leave that describe it. So, so there's a well. Let's unpack a couple things. Pay inequity huge uh, today, and and it has been for a while. So, so it's not like it, we woke up one day and we're, oh my god, we have pay inequities. How did it happen? Um, let's start with a couple kind of things that you kind of guide clients and give you know advice to clients about. Where's what's your stance on? salary being disclosed in like job descriptions or ranges like what's your take on ranges of salary etc yeah look this has evolved over the years right i mean this pay and equity data has always been uh, and it still should be confidential in nature from an individual perspective right but our stance over the years has been you know you see a lot of deviation or a lot of uh deltas in you know same job same role, same scope, and same responsibilities, and you'll see a major uh, difference in pay, right? Uh, whether you're uh, black, green, or yellow, or uh, non-binary, male or female, companies c- understand what they're hiring for and the scope that they're hiring for, and it's part of their process to evaluate that. Now, you shouldn't have such a wide uh, swing between base pay and equity. Uh, right. And when you do, 
there's a problem with the, the program or the process from which uh, you've come on board to take that same role. So for us, we really deeply believe that, you know, by making kind of pay programs more transparent and the uh, pay ranges more transparent, uh, it reduces the influence of bias uh, in that process. Because naturally, I don't think people want to be biased in that way. Um, you know, without structure, you kind of are off to your druthers and you're just handling uh, case by case uh, situations. And those case by case situations, if you don't have a, a really strong guiding North Star uh, around this stuff, it, de it tends to deviate. And then when you do a look back uh, across your organization, you start to wonder why you have such a, uh, a, a distribution of pay and equity in your organization, even within the same department, uh, even within the same role and the same job level, right? So as you can imagine, you know, when you, when you kind of do that and you do that at scale and, and you look back and you see that kind of visual uh, scatter plot of, of data being all the way, uh, all everywhere and it's not centralized, then, you know, it becomes a problem for the company and it's a problem for the employees. Uh, it, it's a problem across the board, quite frankly. So one of the things that, that I've been kind of reading and kind of following, especially since COVID is, you know, the job, you know, you're paying for skills and outputs, right? So whatever the, you know, and I'm doing mostly with knowledge work, but you can, you can apply it to retail if you want to. Yeah. Um, it, that's what you're paying for. The, there's the, for, for this dollar, here's what we get uh, in terms of skills and outputs. And so ranges gets me to a place in, intellectually where why, why would it be different other than, you know, the depth of skills, again, maybe there's, maybe there's a depth or a breadth of skills or location-based pay. So, you know, what's your take on just like, you know, and what, you, and really it's your guidance for your customers is really what I'm trying to get to is, you know, how do you guide clients and customers through this, you know, this journey of getting them to a place where not only do they have pay equity, but then they can communicate and be transparent about pay equity. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I think it's just, uh, there, there's a whole journey in mm. developing a framework that uh, allows you to be uh, really consistent um, in your pay practices. And, and quite frankly, hey, they use, uh, it, it, it's fair, right? Um, and, and somewhat transparent. Transparent mean, it doesn't mean, in my opinion, like uh, an employee sharing their actual pay with somebody else. That's not transparency. Transparency is around the, the overarching kind of compensation journey and the pay programs. So it starts uh, to your point, we'll get into a little bit of the detail here, but it starts with the date, the, the actual data, right? The data that's being collected for that very specific job title. And let's just say simply job level, meaning experience, moderate or, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, inexperienced. Um, right. Uh, in their career, right? So if we kind of simplify it in that way, th those are kind of the, the, what you're looking at from a data perspective. Now, ranges are important because it allows you to uh, kind of cluster a lot of different jobs or job titles and levels in similarly uh, associated market pricing, right? So when you do that, it, it forces this level of of consistency within your organization, meaning, 
um, if you're paying somebody in a similar type of scope or role that the market deems very similar in pay or equity, then you know that within your organization, you're being fairly consistent. Now, not to get too, too. Um, uh, no, no, geek out, geek out, man. Come on. That's why you're here. You can individually look at market-based data for each level and each role, right? right? Um, but that's really comprehensive, and most companies can't scale to that. And like most startups or early-stage organizations will use that basic, what we'll call mark-to-market principle. We'll just look up the, uh, what we believe you are and um, what the data says, and based on that midpoint or that average or that percentile that we want to use, we'll pay that, right? Right. And an individual perspective. So a lot of companies will choose to go down that path, but that's not scalable. You, you, you start to hire a thousand people or, you know, like 30 people a, a month, and you're starting to do that individual benchmark every time. The reality is if you don't have the right data uh, yeah. and the accuracy on that, you're basing that, 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 that person's, you know, comp and equity on that data set. And it's, all, it's almost like that the, they should be able to input the skills and the experience or years of experience and it should tell them what, 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 you know, here's what you should pay for that. That's right. That's right. It's, it, you know, knowledge on both sides. I mm-hmm. think, you yeah. know, the enterprise or the company knowledge, but there's also knowledge that uh, quite frankly, a lot of, um, you know, candidates or employees um, just aren't um, enabled with uh, is the reality, right? And I think, you know, whenever you tie skill set or someone's assessment of their own skill set and the scope and responsibility, that really tightens up their own perception of, of, of you know, what they're doing and how they're defining. Now, I, I think the perfect marriage is, Hey, I know that I can, you know, my skills uh, are at this level and, you know, I've held these X, Y, Z roles and I've performed or I've mastered this, this skill set. The, the ultimate uh, connect is if the enterprise has a, 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 a framework, a compensation framework and a job framework that, that actually aligns uh, to how you're, you're thinking about your own skill set and they've got salary bands and they've got the whole, uh, you know, infrastructure, meaning comp philosophy structures, they've modeled everything out and they know that, you know, based on this skill set mastery, uh, they're paying at this philosophy uh, or this market positioning uh, because they're a company at this size. And, you know, they're a company with this many employees, they're a company in this geo, and they're a company with this type of financing, then it becomes much more clear. But I think there's this notion that, oh, I'm just going to look up, you know, had a product. Well, there, there's, there's a lot of dimensions. That's right. That's that right. Had a product that range from being paid $120,000 a year to possibly $350,000 a year, right? And I think this is the confusion that always happens with compensation at the most basic and elemental level. And that's, you know, when somebody starts to recruit or somebody's looking for a job, right? 
this is why compensation and open comp uh, has exploded um, more recently and compensation over the years because people have started to understand people want more transparency. Employees want more transparency. You know, uh, investors want more transparency uh, on this. And, so, you know. Well, so what I love about this is transparency it then gets us to a place of having communications setting expectations understanding what candidates want what employees want and us being able to you know basically right size and not just right size once a year or once every couple of years but right size in more or less real time and yep. making sure that listen we 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 can we can we can all admit and understand that we have pay inequities. Like this is, we get on, we get, we get on TV tonight and say, listen, there isn't a company on the planet that doesn't have pay, pay inequities. Okay, here's what we're doing to fix our inequities. We're not taking, we're not looking the other direction and we're not gonna think it's gonna just fix itself. Here's the actions that are helping us fix. And, and this is our plan. Like, I think that's what, most people want to hear they want to hear the truth so the transparency part i think is really important because they want to hear like okay you recognize you have a problem okay fantastic you got a plan fantastic let's check in in a couple months and let's see if we're making strides to get to where we eliminate inequities done um i wonder two questions one of them is who should be using open comp on the enterprise side yeah. Like should recruiters, HR, I know, I know comp, obviously comp and benefits folks. I know they're going to be in it all the time, but like who else should be using open comp? Yeah, I, I think uh, leaders and, and um, you know, investors, board members, et cetera. Oh, that's um, nice. Should, should uh, definitely be using it. I mean, look, the reality is, you know, on an individual basis, every hire that gets made uh, is generally that relationship is, uh, hiring manager, uh, recruiter, and candidate, and uh, generally HR gets involved once that you know that person is is established, but uh, is within the organization. But if you're all working off of a framework, meaning you have a comp philosophy and you've got uh, goals as it relates to diversity, you've got goals as it relates to gender, and you've got uh, ranges that you know are tied to your market. Uh, positioning and the relative market uh, that's uh, relatable to the talent that you're hiring, i.e. your size of company and your financial disposition and everything else, then it's going to be a much easier process, right? But I got to tell you, that's the most uh, complex thing to get uh, organized and started uh, when you're building out your company, because everybody's coming from a very different um, knowledge uh, uh, position, right? You've got, when you think about, um, uh, companies that, that are building and growing, you've got a lot of different leaders. Some of those leaders have never had, you know, mature operating experience. Some of those leaders have had super mature operating experience, public companies and, you know, 20 year, uh, you know, uh, operating model experience. And, and when you get those all combined and have different expectations, and you don't have a good compensation framework or a good data model. It, it's you can't, you can't get there. No matter what your good intentions might be. Yeah. You, you just can't get there. 
So um, I, you know, it's interesting. I use this term. Uh, it's diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity, and equality. And it kind of encompasses what, what really diversity and inclusion is. But I, I want, I want the, the other emphasis on some of these other things. And equality, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a board concern. And I think what's, what's, you know, some of the positivity that's come out of, 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 of some of the political movements um, is that there, people will obviously candidates want more transparency. They want to, you know, understand what you're doing to, you know, make things better for people, et cetera. But equality, you know, pay equality, like th this is basic. And again, you can't fix it unless you, you, you know, you, unless you have a clear understanding what the problem is and then how to fix it so I, I like i understand that i want you to to explain to folks the concept of compression or pay compression because I, I i under i understand it because i've been through a number of recessions but most people don't understand what compression looks like or or, or how how it impacts an organization what have you seen in compression well, I think, you know, uh, compression, when, when you think about like uh, pay administration or uh, year, of, year over year, right, there's always um, uh, what you would typically see as merit increases or merit cycles, et cetera. And to a certain extent, you've also got like macroeconomic like inflation and, and everything else. So it's a way for a company to, from a pay administration perspective, to address pay um, more from the standpoint of, of if, if the role is, or if your role isn't changing uh, from a scope or you know, that, uh, that composition by that much, you still wanna be able to address uh, pay and increase pay through uh, what we'll call you know, uh, merit cycles. Right. right? So, in a situation where you're in a type of role that, uh, you know, somewhat doesn't change, uh, whether it's non-exempt or exempt, right? And, and this is a, a FLSA definition of different types of roles, whether uh, you are eligible for overtime or not, but there are qualifications in terms of the scope of, uh, of job that you do, right? And, and kind of uh, the autonomy or the supervision uh, of that job. Now, in, in, in jobs where uh, you are non-exempt, you, you, there's a tendency to run into a, a lot of compression, meaning you're asked mm -hmm. to do the similar things, but um, you, know, you start to uh, get into this, this rate of pay where uh, you're spending a lot and you're reaching a compression point before uh, you move on to the next job or naturally get promoted, right? That's so, why a lot of people change jobs. That's exactly right. So they can elevate or get into another pay band at another organization or uh, look to increase their pay. So a lot of times that's a big forcing function for what we'll call just natural attrition or churn, right, in that. Because uh, said company may not be willing to pay uh, this uh, at a certain level of, of, of pay rate. So they just kind of cap you out and you right. get into this compression uh, until you actually pick up and determine that you got to find another job. Right. 
it's interesting uh, to think about it from a retention perspective. I, I think, you know, real world scenario for, for folks listening is, you know, director of demand gen, you know, job pays $80,000 and uh, you go through a recession, you, you know, pick your favorite recession over the last 20 years or whatever. And there's pace frozen for yeah. three years. And then all of a sudden the economy comes back. It's coming back with a vengeance. You've got a director of demand gen. You need to hire another one. They're not taking that job at at eighty thousand dollars. That's now a hundred and twenty thousand dollars job. So you hire that new person at one hundred and twenty, and the person that's there at eighty is doing the exact same job, and they're getting paid sixty thousand dollars less, forty thousand dollars less. And so, how do you right size that? Is something that all companies deal with, by the way. Uh, dealing with and you know they'll deal with it in different ways but they're trying to get the always trying to navigate to equality and getting those inequities out of the way um thing last thing before we roll out is favorite customer story so i know you got a bunch of them but just maybe even your most recent your most recent favorite one just just something where a customer used open comp and just you're like man that's a fantastic use of way the of 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 open comp yeah, look, I I think you're you're right. Uh, there, there's a bunch of them, but uh, one one of the things I want to uh, uh, kind of go back to is what you what you just talked about. Whether it's a, the recession or not, we're seeing that in this post pandemic, mm-hmm. that same scenario that you talked about. It's a huge whipsaw, right? Yep. Now everybody, this is the most dynamic hiring, um, um, uh, like time I've ever seen, like. And the same job, as you said, uh, pre uh, pandemic is now twenty to thirty thousand yep. uh, in some in some situations. And look, you've got to be really uh, astute with um, the data that you're using, That's and really point. be sharp with how you're profiling that data. Otherwise, you're going to be at a loss. Either you're not going to hire that person, or you're going to hire the wrong person. And either way it's a detriment to your business, right? right? So I just want to really hone in on that because that is what we're seeing right in front of our faces today. It's, and, it's, it's, and we're trying to stay on top of it and really work with our customers to show them that the data is really important, really going through this whole customer journey um, and understanding your, your kind of pay equity within your own organization is going to be, the difference between uh, companies that really accelerate and uh, and companies that are really going to drop out post pandemic. Because I like, I like uh, that you mentioned journey. You've done that a couple of times during the conversation because everyone's on their own journey. It's just like all the other parts of diversity and inclusion. There's no judgment here. You know, everyone's everyone. Uh, you know, we all we all know that we have problems. Like that's you know stated and covered. Now it's a matter of what do you do. And, and, you know, you, your company might not be exactly like the company right next to you or a competitor that's right next to you. You might be on a different journey, but you're on a journey and you're dealing with uh, the pay inequities and equality uh, part of this. But everyone's on their own journey. Yeah. And it's it's recognizing the problems or the gaps. Right. So we always talk about this rate of change. Right. Like 
you know, everybody talks and delivers a lot of lip service around pay and equity and mm -hmm. gender and then the geo. But at the end of the day, you need to fundamentally understand how you are performing and what your gaps are and how is it related to uh, the comparable cohort companies that you compete for talent against. Right. And that's, that's, you know, if you understand that, then you can actually build a plan to improve your own self. And when I say self-care, this is self-company care. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Or, you're, because, or you're going to go through a massive amount of attrition. Like, oh, we're, we're going to do this and we like this. And, and, and you don't actually measure your own state or your own well-being on it. Then it's just lip service. Right. Which is historically what pay inequities has been exactly all right my friend listen thank you so much for coming on the use case podcast i loved our conversation and i uh, just appreciate it no i appreciate you thank you for uh having me on and, and sharing all the things that we love to talk about awesome and thanks for everyone listening to the use case podcast until next time you've been listening to recruiting daily's use case podcast be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com 